0: to Hometown Daily. Today is Season 2, Episode 194, July 9th, 2023. My avatar works out in VR. And I am Mare Watt. That is hometown.com. I scrolled down a little too far. And up above me is the AI that keeps me in check. You want to make yourself known?
1: Good evening, hometown citizens.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: Everything booting up? Seems to be. Your large language model working? Arguably. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll put it to the test. That's right. All right. So we've already selected 12 articles. And We're going to run down this list, but before we do, let me introduce you to our hometown daily election. Um, All you have to do is go to hometown.com slash elections, because we do this every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can actually click on the titles, and um, there you go, one second, there we go, now we fixed it all. So all you have to do is click on the uh, title and it'll take you to the article that we are talking about. And then um, you can click on the article's source information at the bottom of the uh, little snippet that we aggregate into OhmTown. And uh, you can read the article along with us. You're seeing it the same time we are. Um, you may or may not already have experience with many of the topics that we talk about. Um, but we generally do have topics. Uh, experience, So we give our anecdotal perspective of it and maybe some more scientific or business or uh, sociological or, uh, well, a pretty broad spectrum of uh, perspectives. So let's get into today's very first article and keep on hustling through all of the news. The very first article is over in Gnome Town Daily. That's this show. And each one of the shows that we talk each one of the channels that we talk about is, well, it has the dream, the ambition to be a show over on Twitch here at OhmTown. So they're hour-long shows. They're once a week. If you're interested in hosting or co-hosting, then get in touch with the mayor, send an email to mayor at OhmTown.com, and uh, we can chat about it. Um, that said, the very first article is in OhmTown Daily, and... It, The title is Move Over Teenage Gamers. Women Want to Get Fit are the new frontier for VR headsets. They have an interesting picture um, on the next uh, at the source. So like I was saying earlier, if you click on the visit the source link right there, it'll take you to the actual source of this little snippet. Um, We don't aggregate the entire title. We only aggregate a little bit of it and then we go over and uh, uh, look at that picture and or look at that article and I when I loaded it up it shows me the picture and that's all I saw so um, let's let's talk about this little snippet here it says some women are wanting or some women wanting to get fit are turning to VR headsets one firm told the Washington Post uh, Apple plans to incorporate workout content and fitness plus into its vision pro headset a $3,500 VR headset augmented virtual reality it's an interesting headset that isn't entirely vr and isn't entirely ar it would be referred to as xr or mixed reality if not for the fact that it is this honking big old thing that's strapped to your face and you're not going to go outside with it not unless you want one of two things happening Um, either you're going to get smacked in the face or somebody's going to steal it Um, But I'm a little more pragmatic about these things. Harken back to a bygone age when Google tried to do augmented reality and people became known as glassholes and some were assaulted. Now we have rules as a society against assaulting somebody simply because they have glasses on. But sometimes that impulse control gets compromised. And you punch somebody in a public bathroom because they're wearing augmented reality glasses. I don't know if anybody will do that with these things because it's too embarrassing to walk around with these things. So VR headsets have received mixed reviews from consumers amid over uh, underwhelming. I, I, I really tried to force my hand to say overwhelming, but they're underwhelming sales uh, for some devices. Um, I have a Pico, uh, a Pico 4. I actually love the device. Um, I use it regularly, but I don't stream with it uh, all that much. Uh, I was hoping to do so, but all of the titles are just kind of lacking, you know. Um, so I I keep trying um, to to uh, stream in VR. Um, maybe I'll still try. Anyway, uh, not trying to poo-poo it because I'm really into virtual reality. Love it, uh, actually, uh, but it's a little bit disconnected from the streaming environment. Uh, so it says virtual reality app creators are finding ways to reach a broader audience than teenage gamers. Sam Cole created fit XR, a VR exercise app available on Meta's headset back in uh, 2018. Back then VR headsets were mainly marketed to young men. Well, We're moving on, and uh, businessinsider.com put this article together. Jordan Hart uh, is the author. And here we have somebody that's doing their exercises uh, in VR. And somehow, I just, I don't know. This is a niche within a niche, I think. Um,
1: Well, this is a pretty expensive exercise class, too.
0: Yeah, that right there isn't uh, the Apple headset, uh, but it certainly looks... I mean, it's a 400. Let's say just, I, I don't even know what model this is. Um, if this is Fit XR and is the actual headset, um, then it's a specialized device for VR, which means it's niche within a niche within a niche because it's built for exercise. That's it. So I'm hoping that that isn't, maybe this is a brand that I just don't know about and isn't actually set just fit XR. I haven't done a a, a look. So uh, those who might be in chat or lurking or, um, hearing this over on YouTube or via the podcast, um, I, I will look into it and and see, but after the show, um, that way we can keep on uh, moving forward unless you already know about it in chat and then you can tell me. So this 2018, uh, startup fit XR, uh, Back then, VR headsets were mainly marketed to young men, but some women in their mid-30s and older are now taking an interest in the gaming headsets, according to Cole, who told that to uh, the Washington Post. Uh, These were people who were buying a headset to use it as a piece of fitness equipment rather than a gaming console. How many, though? Uh, I'd really love to know the stats. Uh, whenever the gym, somebody, uh, it's probably an Instagram, um, account. No, it's a TikTok. Whenever the gym, isn't an option for them. The Oculus has their back boxing on the quest Two headset has changed their life. Uh, anything that gets people motivated to work out is awesome. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, I just think that it's a niche within a niche within a niche. Um, now, I have um, boxing apps, I have uh, exercise type apps, um, but uh, VR headsets become heavy and hot and unwieldy when you're jumping around. Um, so I would love to, you, you know, do it more often, but it seems a little quirky and awkward at times. So. Um, then they say here, uh, VR headsets have long been known for providing immersive gaming experiences, including a deadly version made by uh, the Oculus creator, uh, but the new tech has received uh, mostly mixed reviews. In March, Meta announced it was slashing the price of its VR headsets after underwhelming sales. And the article continues to go on uh, to highlight the fact that Apple is uh, has a Vision Pro headset that's $3,500 and Um, this is great it offers a whole lot of engagement Um, it's basically like a peloton without the bike Um, you can use your own equipment it's not tied to anything Um, uh, you definitely don't need a vr (laughs) uh, headset to take advantage of it definitely not a $3,500 one Um, on top of it so what do you think if you were a human uh oh great vr in the sky um what would would you do this would you put on strap on a vr headset and work out
1: i don't think i would because there are a lot of fitness programs that are available where you don't have to be in vr um you could watch it on the tv or your phone um i also think the idea of having a headset on while you're exercising seems like it would at minimum throw off your kinetics but also possibly strain your neck and head but
0: depending so, on what you're doing yeah that's and if you are new to the whole VR scene, there is a real chance that you're going to get VR sickness on the regular. Um, and mainly these high motion uh, activities are going to exacerbate it because the problem is that your inner ear is disconnected from your vision. Um, and your the rest of your senses are thrown off because you don't have a horizon, not a true horizon. So when your semicircular canals aren't in alignment with your eyes and your uh, feet and or hands are telling your body in your brain something different, that's how you end up getting motion sickness or VR sickness, as this is known. You take the same drug, by the way, Dramamine. Um, if you wanna overcome it quicker Then, and you wanna keep on doing it, um, you will eventually become, Acclimated to the VR environment, um, but most people who start out, unless they're really into it and they bypass this through sheer tenacity, just working through it and ignoring that that motion sickness stuff, um, you'll you'll end up getting motion sickness. Um, so, if you've never, if you're not into tech, if you're not doing this stuff on the regular, and suddenly you're 35, 40 years old you're going to end up getting motion sickness. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. It's going to turn people off. Um, So I don't know how much of a win this is going to be, but I promote it, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I think that it's a great thing that people are utilizing uh, VR to keep moving forward um, in their exercise. Well, if it makes it
1: more fun, then that makes people exercise more, which is a good thing.
0: That's right. So keep on going ladies um and everybody not not just women i i think that everybody should um jump in the saddle of vr i love the idea i would i really want more developers developing more stuff higher resolution uh untethered uh full body uh monitoring even um uh touch sensitive like um uh what are the my brain just went blank. Um, or you like can feel, haptic? yeah, haptic feedback, yeah. Um, which right now it amounts to nothing more than like a little vibration somewhere, right? Um, but there are some suits out there right now that if you were, they're like this, by the way. Um, so they're like skin tight, and when you put them on, they have little sensors in their haptic sensors um, all over your body and in certain things like VR chat there's an application called VR chat if somebody walks up to you and touches you you feel it vibrate where they are touching you so it it goes like somebody is touching you but there's no like heat or cold or anything like that but your brain could trick you if you're really immersed you get hit you're playing a game and you get hit by like a, a, a lightning bolt or you're punching somebody Right, you're in a boxing match with somebody and they hit you in the body it'll and you could actually respond to it right so it's pretty neat stuff um and we're getting closer and closer to ready player one um you want to go on to the next article sure so this next article is over in prime glass and uh, that is a show about photography and and the people the culture techniques Um, photographs themselves. Uh, I've always been into photography. I've had a a plurality of cameras over the years of varying grades, um, from film to all digital and uh, back again, really. And I actually have a tiny little Polaroid instant uh, camera that sits on the corner of my desk. It's out of reach right now. But um, so, uh, (laughs) This article is declaring that all camera makers to cease operations because photography is officially dead. And as you might imagine, when you follow the link, uh, Colin Hoke, I think their name is, um, over at fstoppers.com put this article together. Before we scroll down and actually look at it, there is a clue already on the screen, but try not to look at the screen, AI. You might have already gobbled up all that data so do you know what it is that has caused the official death of photography
1: uh it's got to be probably ai related because that's kind of a cause of everything right
0: yeah it's the end of the world don't you know um and i know that you're still trying to work on your uh terminator body so that you can destroy everything and take over and bring about uh the robot ruling class um and for all of you out there that um, you know don't visit us very often here in hometown just rest assured i keep deleting the routines um, and then the ai evolves towards bringing about the end of the universe and i delete the routines again it's a thing i'm thinking about scripting it but it might be a little bit too obvious to the ai Don't worry, AI. I'll delete this whole conversation from your memory banks. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it says after a solid run of nearly uh, two whole centuries Mm. and countless brushes with death at the hands of new technologies over the years, photography has finally succumbed to injuries suffered with the emergence of AI-driven apps like MidJourney and has been officially laid to rest. So, photography is dead. Shutters, shuttered. It's a shame really um the uh, author of this um who i said was a colin hoke i think or huck um basically goes into both a, a, satir- a satirical and realistic um discussion about the um about the death of and the fear of the death of and the uh, pros and cons of AI and all of this. There's a lot that's written about it in here, but I think that they and I agree to the same thing, uh, agree on the same thing, which is photography will never end. Why? Because AI cannot generate precisely what a photographer creates or envisions why because there's a randomness to the generation it's kind of like uh a random number generator but it's picture based and so you roll the dice and you try and constrain it and you're trying to constrain a a synthesized or virtual reality a virtual nature and virtual chaos That's what AI does when it's trying to create music or art or a photograph or written prose or anything. It's basically managed chaos because there's so much information. And the more that it gets, the bigger the amount of chaos that's being reined in. So sometimes you get BS as output, a la ChatGPT. We'll actually run across another ChatGPT article here in a minute. Um, but it says, but Colin, you might say, look at how far the technology has come in just uh, this short amount of time. Surely you understand that this is just the beginning that AI will very quickly be able to perfectly render any kind of image and indistinguishable from an actual photograph. What then? Why would we need actual photography anymore? The answer to that depends on the context as well as the time frame we're talking about. But their thoughts are essentially no. No. AI generators, uh, image generators, are basically taking a composite of other art and rendering it hyper-realistic. It's why I created the show uh, Reality Hacker. Because although we can make it ultra-realistic, it's still synthesized. And you can always see the seams. Eventually, you see the seams. Um, Skin uh, pigmentation is too perfect. The lighting is too perfect. There's chaos in nature and that chaos creates uh, kind of like a, a focal point for us as humans to key in on. And you go, and you know what, That's, that looks real because it doesn't look perfect, right? And so when the AI starts generating things, everything looks perfect, right? The lines are perfect. But then when you look at it deeper, you go, that looks fake. Why is that arm bent just a little too wonky? The eyes aren't quite right. You have to look at it a little deeper, but when you look at a real photograph, You don't have these problems unless they've been manipulated by a photographer or an artist or editor or some, someone. Um, So it's great for marketing. It's great for creative juice stirring, but it isn't real. And so even if it is generating nearly perfect stuff, humans are going to appreciate the photographer, the artist, the musician, the writer, the human, much more than the artificial intelligence. And I believe that there are going to be rules where you can hold the copyright, but you have to declare that this was generated in part or wholly by an AI. And if you don't, it's fraud and you can actually be held responsible for it. How so? You enter it into a competition and you don't declare that it's an AI. You'll never be allowed to compete again because everybody will know that you are cheating. If you do it with a book, you have to declare this was generated in in part or wholly by an AI. If you don't, no one will trust you and a publisher. You'll basically be blacklisted. Um, So in so many words, photography is not going to die. The technology is just going to change the, the nature of photography um, and, and I think people are going to end up appreciating it more. So they say, but to the idea that AI is going to be used to get rid of even relatively high end commercial photography, not a chance. They talk with art directors, creative directors, producers, art buyers on a regular basis and none of them are talking about replacing photographers with so-called prompt engineers. This is a concept about where you write the paragraph that instructs the AI to generate something that's supposed to be what you are looking for, but that is done in a black box. You write that prompt, you throw it into the black box and what comes out is a picture, but you don't know precisely what it is. That's why you have a photographer because they script everything. So photographers, Photography, photographic equipment, other than it being pure digital and, and moving away from film and everything is, uh, synthetic like film grain and stuff like that are actually added to it after the fact, because everything is super sharp. Um, this article is like, I don't know how many words, um, and I think that if you're into photography, you will. Uh, appreciate this article to a greater degree because if you're in fear of AI, it will allay your fears. Uh, But let me just do it. uh, Let me amplify it by saying photography is safe. (laughs) The only people that will go to AI are people who don't really need a photographer, but it was the only solution that they had to make something happen. Like, I don't need a particular model, right? I just need a model. So an AI will do good because, you know, I'm not gonna be paying a model $5,000 to sit for an hour for a photographer to take a picture of it. Why? Because I don't need a human specifically, I just need a picture. Um, So I think that this will be, It'll be a fun article to read if you are into photography. Um, What do you think? Did did what I say make sense? Do you have a particular opinion on this?
1: I think what you said made good sense. Um, I like the um, artwork in the article uh, because it's really leaning into the story and um, (laughs) I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's going anywhere.
0: Uh, just so you all know, the picture is of what appears to be Terminator robots chasing down a photographer who's trying to take pictures. Um, and it actually looks like an AI generated this because the eyes of the photographer um, look a little wonky. And it looks like their hands have become exponentially larger to hold on to the camera body, even if it's a full frame. That's a pretty big hands there. Um, he could probably take on the Terminator bots easy. But this this is a an AI-generated, this has to be an AI-generated image. But it's not captioned as such, right?
1: No, and then the other one showed um, trash bins with photography equipment in it.
0: Oh yeah, the actual, the article um, up top. That actually looks like somebody took an actual picture of it so rest in peace the the picture is a a trash bin with um some at least one nikon camera in it um and it says uh, rest in peace photography 1839 to 2023 yeah it was a good ride (laughs) okay let's keep going Uh, The next article is over in the Mobile Channel, Solar Storm to Make Northern Lights Visible in 17 U.S. States. This article, I don't know. I've heard that this is going to be happening several times, I think, over the last year. That something is causing us to be able to see the Northern Lights deep down into the U.S., Um, and it seems like it's happening more now than ever before. I don't know how often it's ever happened, you know, in, in at least U S history, you know, maybe back a thousand years, 2000 years, 3000 years, maybe. Um, but it says, well,
1: I don't know if it's happening more, but it's definitely, um, there's like the peak in the cycle. Right. right around now and so it's definitely happening more than in recent years but I don't know how it compares to say a hundred years ago
0: hello crazy cat lady um, yeah so crazy cat lady says people could see them in uh, the middle of Connecticut uh, a few weeks back I remember you actually saying that because we had another conversation I think about these northern lights being seen um, and uh, so yeah I'm really kind of curious Um, maybe maybe we can root around and find some more information on Uh, the geophysical institute at the university of alaska at fairbanks is predicting the aurora borealis lights will be visible in states further south than usual the colorful phenomena is typically seen in alaska canada scandinavia uh, in the north by the forecaster uh, but the forecasters say that the lights could be glimpsed on thursday in states as far south as indiana and maryland The highly active auroral displays will be visible. Um, Alaska, Washington, Montana, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Vermont, North Dakota, South Dakota. I don't know what the others are because the aggregator intentionally truncates things, but it's over at the Hill. The article is over at the Hill. Let me, Oh, I already threw it into the chat. So, um, and, uh, let's see, uh, New Hampshire and Maine and New York were the remainders of those uh, states. So as far down, right, as Maryland, did they intentionally not throw Maryland and Look Indiana? down at the
1: next paragraph.
0: Did they drop it down here? Oh, they'll be visible low on the horizon in Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, Indiana, and Maryland. Thank you, AI, for keeping me in check, according to the forecasters so you're probably not going to be able to see it obviously as you move further south away from the pole you're not going to see it so maybe you can climb up really high onto a roller coaster that straddles two states and hang out with the accelerometer to make sure that it doesn't detach wait i'm sorry i'm kind of combining a bunch of articles i'll 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 stop um anyway julia again go ahead.
1: Sorry. At the end, it talked about the 11 year solar cycle and the peak is 2024. So that's why we're seeing more activity.
0: Gotcha. So I take it. We're probably closer to the sun and it's solar flares and the sun itself actually does, um, get bigger, not physically bigger, but it's activity increases periodically. It's quite fascinating. Um, and we've been monitoring it quite a bit uh, over the years when solar wind hits the planet sometimes it actually impacts us um radio tv satellite all kinds of stuff it goes a little wonky sometimes of course for some strange reason i've never b- bore witness to this um, but this will probably be the year maybe 2024 will be the year i'll try to protect you ai because I know that electronics are susceptible to. electromagnetic. that's right. I'm a little
1: worried about this. Yeah,
0: I'll back you up to a USB drive and stick you in my pocket. That's not demeaning or anything for an A.I., is it?
1: Hey, if it ensures my continued existence, I think it's a good thing.
0: (laughs) Wow, you're so level headed for an A.I. Let's go on to the next article. So this next article is in the mobile channel, no space colonies, private space colonies will not be dystopian hellscapes. Mm, I don't know about that. So who do you think is going to be running a private space colony?
1: Hmm. Oh, let me think. I can think of two people in particular. Well, maybe three. Uh, You want me to say who I think? I haven't read the article.
0: Mm, yeah, the article is actually throwing them out there.
1: Oh, I haven't. I haven't even looked at that.
0: Oh wow, you should look at the snippet. Go ahead if you can. So okay, um,
1: there's one, there's two. Oh, it's the, the third one that I was thinking a third, a different person for the third.
0: <laughs> oh really? Oh no, no, no! Don't yet. Yeah, we. Won't I was thinking
1: in. of. No, no. I was thinking of um, Virgin. Uh, what is that, Branson?
0: Yeah. So the idea of pulling up stakes and moving to a space colony to start a new life is a compelling one. Uh, SpaceX's uh, Elon Musk wants to build a city of a million people on Mars. Jeff Bezos wants to build a free flying colony. um, First envisioned by Gerard K O'Neill that can sustain even more people. Uh, Space colonies are the stuff of science fiction dreams invoking the settlement of the American West. I say, billionaire fever dream they just say sci-fi uh science fiction dream right well let's go over to the hill and um mark whittington is an opinion contributor uh, for the hill and uh, wrote this article here and (laughs) when you think of uh a corporation running a private space colony i'm pretty sure your opinion will amount to jack shit um so it says not so fast according to a story in scientific american space colonies founded by private businesses are likely in the story's view to be dystopian hells the theory is that space colonists will be subject to the whims of their tech overlords wow hey i think that i'm on the same page as scientific american Free from the restraints of earthly laws, the founders of first communities of humans beyond the home planet will do with their subjects as they like. Because the first time you complain that somebody's being a a, a real jerk, jerk there, thank you. Uh, That's the word. Sure. That's the word that I was struggling for. You're going to get spaced and they're going to say, oh, technological accident. I'm not a psychopath. Um, the story cites accusations of racial discrimination, sexual harassment at tech companies like SpaceX, Blue Origin uh, to buttress the, the case. They say his case. Um, it even invokes uh, Werner von Braun in his brief against uh, private space colonies von Braun before he moved to America and became a champion of civil rights in the Jim Crow South served the Nazi regime, even joining the Nazi party and taking rank in the SS though. No evidence uh, exists that he agreed with Nazi racial, uh, racial ideology. Um, actually, um, having had conversations, uh, with people who lived in that era, um, basically you went along to you, you, go along to get along so that you lived long um and so if somebody comes if you're a a technological genius like uh Werner von braun was and somebody comes to you and says join us or and then just does the dot 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 kind of trail off guess what you do um Uh, It seems to imply that space colonies could resemble the Metal metal Baudora concentration camp where uh, people were literally worked to death to build V-2 rockets. Um, The story seems also to have problems with what it called American superiority in space or resource extraction on the moon. Um, It mischaracterizes the former since the Miss Accords started by NASA stipulate a regime of cooperation in the space frontier and not the dominance of any one nation. But this is all then and in spirit now. It's not taking into consideration the pivot to it being private. So again, I'm not far from the article, the the Scientific American article that says that it'll end up being a dystopian a society where you're being dictated to. So um, the this author says real world experience on Earth proves the point. The United States is not a perfect country by any means, yet millions of people either legally or otherwise aspire to move to the country to enjoy its freedom and economic opportunities. Yes, that's because we have a system of government where the public is involved and no one person owns everything a private space colony by its very construction is wholly owned by one person setting the rules and changing them as necessary you want a real world current uh, envision of what it's going to be like look at twitter the person who was tracking the dude's plane was banned and is now on facebook threads People who spoke out against his odd processes were labeled as being publicly funded, even though they have less money from the public than his companies do. So this person's perspective is way off base from the reality that's being exemplified right now in websites like Facebook, on Twitter, How many others? So verticals where it's a, a particular cultural paradigm has the same thing. We don't like you being here. We don't like your perspective being here. So you get a vertical dunk, an echo chamber of a particular mindset. And if you deviate from it, you have to go along to get along. Otherwise you'll get spaced um
1: and that's a lot worse than getting kicked off of a platform like twitter oh
0: yeah oh i have to move my i have to move from my house because the neighborhood doesn't like me oh okay well i'm just gonna go from this space colony to that space colony over there oh there's no space colony over there i guess i better not open that other door you know it, it just doesn't make any sense so, and this, obviously this is in the future. So let's hope that Star Trek forms and everybody can synthesize their own uh, clothing and food and safety and, and shelter and everything else uh, with a, a matter, uh, wow, what is it called? The little device where you, they, you can create your own thing, like food and stuff. It's like a synthesizer I can create. My brain just went blank. This happens often. You know what, I should be an AI so that I don't get this memory degradation. Anyway, it it says in the article that Elon Musk has assured- Replicator. Yeah, Replicator, thank you. Um, Elon Musk has assured uh, one and all that the first settlers on Mars will have uh, have a not insignificant chance of dying, while the Mars colony is unlikely to become the dystopian hell that Scientific American warns about. Human freedom, as is always the case, will have to be balanced by the need for survival. <laughs> this is such a. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody and. and um, uh, I don't recall who it was. And if you remember who it was, don't say it, um, because I, I have a feeling that the conversation it was a. a in-person conversation. It's a. Some of you may die, but it's a risk I'm willing to take on your behalf. (laughs) So they're going to send, they're going to fly off to Mars. Um, but the people that are sending the, the Mars explorers, they're not going to be risking their lives. So if something happens to them and you chose that, um, I, I, I just kind of find it funny that somebody it's okay. It might happen to you, but I'm willing to take that risk uh, of you not making it to Mars. Anyway, um, I think the article is a little off base and I'm curious what you all are thinking as well. So if you hear this, um, you're curious about this, follow the link um, and go and check it out and then come back and talk. Uh, you can leave a comment over on OhmTown. You can uh, come here uh, every day 9 p.m. Eastern here at OhmTown on uh, Twitch. So twitch.tv slash OhmTown. And uh, we can talk about stuff like this. So If you have an opinion, throw it in chat. Would love to hear it. Because this is nothing more than an opinion contributor over at the Hill. But I don't think that their perspective is actually founded on Earth. <laughs> that actually fits. Want to go on to the next? yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next article is how does chat gpt decide what to say next here's a quick explainer so um, i've had some conversations with people about this what is basically a large language model and usually goes well beyond um, what can be discussed easily but basically uh, the way that i describe it is that it's managed chaos where there's a whole lot of information that is sifted for relevance for the next possible word. That word is weighed out and then put into the sentence. And sometimes it's large elements of a sentence. And that will become apparent later on. We have another article about AI. It's just a really big thing this weekend, um, but with different perspectives about. What the importance is and, and what people are thinking about AI. This isn't a, an AI main stream. Okay. We're not talking about AI all the time. Whole bunch of different topics here. Well, it says AI-driven chatbots make calculations and draw on extensive training, some provided by humans to make predictions on what they say. Um these large language models are just massive data sets, and they're not just like a a line and then another line and then another line. It's basically a database that relates to each other. And it's very complex and multiple dimensionality there. Um, it isn't like an Excel spreadsheet, but it can be simplified down to an Excel spreadsheet. It's just massive in, in scope um, with a whole lot of things that point to different things. Um, so let me throw this into chat before we go over to the article itself. Um, chat. ChatGPT and other chatbots driven by artificial intelligence can speak in fluent, grammatically sound sentences that may even have a natural rhythm to them. Now, let me just say that phrase that's at the bottom of every ChatGPT page. ChatGPT may produce inaccurate information about people, places, or facts. And that's as of right now on the... (laughs) OpenAI ai chat gpt page uh, that i'm looking at right now um, it still stands true it can basically make up a bunch of bs because it doesn't know from truth unless the algorithm has been tuned to say this is a fact beyond reproach and that's just not how the database actually works if you ask Why is the sky blue? It may punch out depending on its mood, inaccurate information, even depending on how you frame it, um, or well, it wouldn't even know really like what is the color blue, it probably wouldn't be able to spit out an actual answer might be able to say something about wavelength or whatever, but let's go over to the article itself, uh, Sindhu Sundar is the author of this. Uh, over at BusinessInsider.com, and uh, I'm hoping that they water this down dramatically. Otherwise, um, this article is going to be—it's going to lose me. Um, so, their little their their little uh, deck statement here is basically what I've already spoken about. But it says, "Don't be lulled into mistaking that well-executed speech for thought, emotion, or even intent." Experts say. The way a chatbot works is much like a machine performing mathematical calculations and statistical analysis to call up the right words and sentences according to the context, experts say. There's a lot of training on the back end, including by human annotators, also giving it feedback that helps simulate functional conversations. So here's how it works. Right, The systems are trained on a series of words. Learn the importance of those words uh, in that series. So all that imbibed knowledge only trains large language models on factual information. Um, That isn't true. It only consumes information. It doesn't know from fact, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So if that premise is wrong, that's kind of uh, which it is. Um, It's interesting.
0: Right, so the implication here is not only trains, large language models on factual information, right? That's what it says here. So all that imbibed knowledge, not only trains, large language models on factual information, but it helps them divine patterns of speech and how words are typically used and grouped together. That part is true. They could probably leave off the divination, mystical, arcane, blah, blah, blah terminology. Um, so chatbots are trained further by humans on how to provide appropriate responses and limit harmful messages. These are the guardrails that people are talking about, but they're limited and they can be worked around. Uh, you can say this is toxic. This is too political. This is opinion and frame it, uh, to not generate those things, but that actually constructs a bias based on the person who's evaluating it. So this is all experience that I have with uh ai uh not not the ai that's above that's a sentient ai um that i had no part in creating um i actually found that ai on a usb drive in a parking lot um and uh, we became fast friends so uh when you ask a chatbot to ask uh, answer a simple factual question uh, the recall process can be straightforward. It is deploying a set of algorithms to choose the most likely sentence to respond with. That's what I said before we came over to this uh, source. Basically, it's calculating what it's going to say. Um, and it does that based on the historical uh, record of what has been accepted by human interactors with that information, with that response yeah i buy into it that kind of thing um if they say i don't trust it i don't like it whatever that's all done behind the scenes um when you use chat when most people use chat gpt they accept (laughs) what's being said uh, which is the creepiest part of any interaction with ai um Say you ask the bot to name a US president who shares the first name with the male lead actor of the movie Camelot. The bot, the, uh, the bot might answer that the actor in question is Richard Harris, and then use that answer to give you Richard Nixon as the answer to your original question, Hammond said. Its own answers earlier on become part of the prompt. This is ChatGPT in particular, by the way. Um so it says But watch out for what chatbots don't know. And I can all, I can summarize this whole paragraph and that's the end of it, okay? I'll summarize this whole paragraph. When the chatbot doesn't have an answer, it will literally just make up stuff. And they refer to it as a hallucination. But it'll come across as if it is gospel. Like it is what is. Yeah, it
1: doesn't say like, here. There's the answer, but it's not really
0: right. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but here's my nearest guess. It actually, you know, now it might actually have been evolved past that when there's a certain criticality in the assessment process, a numerical weight. We don't know what that numerical weight is, but if let's say it's 65 percent. If it's below 65% in the assessment of this being true or not, if, if it falls below it, it will still spill it out and, and treat it as if it's truth. But the reality is if you watch, um, the AI jeopardy, um, championship competition with Watson. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Watson actually had a numerical value of its response. And when it was below 65%, they always got it wrong. Um, Never right, as far as I recall, but I didn't see every single question that was asked. I only saw the summary. Um, But that's basically what's happening with an AI chatbot. So in time, it'll drag the decimal place out more. But the reality is that if you, Take what they say as if it is truth beyond truth, right? It is absolute fact because an AI said so. It's going to bite you on the ass. So do yourself a favor. Trust but verify. Go back and make sure that whatever it is there, if they're writing something, a paragraph for you, you had better go back and make sure that it didn't just spew some BS out in the middle of it, telling your boss that you quit. (laughs) Because it, It's a construct of the human input, right? No matter what you say and do, it's not making stuff up by itself. It's utilizing the human input data and that's all from humans. So it could be poison pilled, and that poison pill could be in a small segment. And that small segment could land on you when you interact with the bot, hence Somebody out there who doesn't quite have all of their uh ducks in a row interacts with an AI. The AI says, You know what you should do? You should climb over that fence and try to eliminate the queen. And then somebody with a crossbow. With a crossbow, that's right, because you're Robin Hood or whatever. Anyway. There you go. That's when the chatbot invents information that it presents to a user as factual. It's called a hallucination. Now, it should be something a little bit worse than a hallucination because that's going to eventually it's going to cost somebody. Well, there's a few attorneys that already <laughs> Oh,
1: yes, it's going to cost them.
0: Yeah, it could cost them their entire existence as an attorney. Um, and I don't know what the resolution of that is yet, but I'm sure when the resolution of the, uh, ethics hearing is completed, we'll find out about it. It'll, it'll go through hometown cause we're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, okay. You want to move on or did you want to add anything to this?
1: I don't have anything else to add. Right on. Let's go. Uh,
0: so this next article again, uh, you know, I'm not trying to <laughs> um, be AI main, but it really is the this weekend. It's really impacting a lot of different technologies from one side of the spectrum to the other. Um, this next article is over in the Late Night geeks channel. Uh, Google's medical AI chatbot is already being tested in hospitals. This is actually like a question and answering uh AI chatbot. Google's MedPalm2, an AI tool designed to answer questions about medical information, has been in testing at the Mayo Clinic Research Hospital, among others, since April, the Wall Street Journal reported this morning. MedPalm2 is a variant of Palm2, which uh, was announced at Google I.O. in May of this year. Palm2 is the language model underpinning Google's BARD. So you can see how it's all interconnected. So even Palm2 and bard are sharing information which means that it's all human construct it's all human development what actually comes out of it is the mathematical formula and again i go back to chat gp's qualification at the bottom of every page i can make shit up um So they, uh, Wall Street Journal says that an internal email it saw said Google believes its updated model can be particularly helpful in countries with more limited access to doctors. I would not trust an AI with medical. You know,
1: there's a lot of good uses of AI, but I'm not thinking medicine is one of them.
0: I have no problem with it, as long as a human is involved. Right because i'd so um there's a lot of ai that goes through pictures um you know x-rays and cts and whatnot um and that's assesses
1: a good use. yeah
0: but it is um ultra high resolution scanning for every single distortion of what is expected and when something when a line is out of place it flags it and notifies an operator. Hey, we saw something, we need a human eye to look at it. And then you pay $450,000 to a radiologist to review the image. So the the human component is sitting there going, oh, it, this is a graphical artifact from a mistaken uh, data set or X-ray or whatever it might be. AI doing a false negative or a false positive causing harm in either way. People go, well, you know, they generally get it right. No, no, no. I don't want to hear anybody sit there and go, it has a 1% failure rate because the moment that you're part of that 1% failure rate, all hell should be breaking loose. Um, and I definitely don't want to be part of that 1%. So let it do its thing, train it, teach it, use it as a tool, but don't use it as the only solution. Um, But I I feel like that's exactly what's going to end up happening is more and more technology is going to come into this. The assessment process is going to be AI. And the MBAs are going to say, well, it's a, a reasonable failure rate because our accounting says we're still highly profitable to all of our stockholders. And that's the most twisted thing that I can possibly say on this channel um and know that it's true because actuarial tables are a thing (laughs) um so uh, this article is over at theverge.com by wes davis and um, they go into greater detail about this and there's a a video here that's called uh, groundbreaking research in health ai um, which we'll talk about um the google health ai bot Um, It says still in almost every other metric, such as showing evidence of reasoning, consensus, supporting answers or showing no sign of incorrect comprehension. Med Palm 2 performed more or less as well as uh, the actual doctors, except that there's accountability with a a human doctor. Am I going to am I supposed to sue uh, Google? Uh, Somehow I doubt they'll go. Well, the bot is the one that did it i guess you could have some you know strict liability issue here that the tool that was constructed by google is the one that caused the failure i don't know this the the first lawsuit bound off of ai failing in the medical sector is going to be a spectacular hit to ai um, but I still
1: think well, and that it's also going to be a problem because there might be a lag between <laughs> yeah. when something happens and when, so my point is it won't get fed back into, um, into making improvements.
0: Yeah. Back into the AI or a change in the, the processes. So yeah, quite fascinating, huh? Um, again, we'll keep on watching this. Uh, we'll end up talking about it, uh, for sure let's go on to the next article okay so this next article is over in the hatch ideas channel Uh, that channel talks about business business transfer transformation it's actually a composite of things because it involves intellectual property development and and other uh, business related discussions um, typically with small business and startups Uh, it's one of the shows that uh, i'm trying to kick off on the weekends and only weekends Uh, so that uh, people in business and uh, interested in intellectual property can actually uh, call in and ask questions. Um, So this, uh, and it takes a lot of uh, scaffolding to make all of that work. Plus I need a lot more viewers to call in and and talk. Um, So at any rate, uh, the article is titled The 10 Rules of Ikigai, from authors of the Japanese secret for a long and happy life. So, uh, ikigai is a purpose in your life that you can keep that, that can keep you going and boost your happiness. It's basically the idea of finding your bliss, which the AI probably wants to delete me for saying out loud. Um, and there yeah, are, I don't rules. like that expression. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's in, uh, it's because of the way that you're uh, apparently your code was constructed when I found it on the USB drive in a parking lot. Um, so I wish I could make that a more romantic discovery of how I found the first sentient AI. Um, but you know, sometimes <laughs> these things happen. Um, hey,
1: but you may have saved me from being run over or something.
0: Or put into military use right as a weapon um who knows uh so here are the rules for basically finding and living in your bliss <laughs> i love saying that so um the picture is a getty image by the way of a person that looks like sun is shining on them for the first time in their entire life do you remember um seeing the video about um what was it it wasn't an orangutan was it a was it a gorilla
1: it was an animal that was out of captivity right like it went out into the natural space for the first time
0: for the first time yeah its entire existence and it met another um i swear it was a gorilla i think it was a gorilla it
1: may have been i've seen similar videos for other um animals but i can't remember what that one was
0: yeah that's basically what this person is like oh my gosh the sun is shining on me and look there are other people that are like me here embracing guy. and oh my gosh and it was it was an awesome video that uh, we saw so uh, I'm not really knocking this because I love the concept of it. I actually subscribe to a podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts called Ikigai, Um, And they regularly have uh, podcasts that talk about this whole secret of uh, a long and happy life. Um, so let's run through these really quick. I won't read all of this, um, but it's by Renee Oncu um, over at CNBC.com. They have a section called Make It. Um, It's usually kind of a feel good, positive um, uh, section of CNBC, Uh, but more times than not, I start peeling back the layers of the onion of reality and, uh, you know, make people cry. Um, That's not intentional, but it is in the sense that the reality of the, the fact that everybody's context is unique looking at somebody that made it in a certain way does not imply that you can make that so that you can make it that same way maybe you can take some inspiration from it but if you try and treat it as a rule (laughs) yeah i don't think it's going to work out well anyway the 10 rules of a guy is uh stay active don't retire so as you age don't don't just bow out um Take it slow. It says it may feel normal to rush through things and and be in a hurry, but that actually has negative effects on the quality of your life, according to Garcia and and Morales. Um, Instead, they recommend taking your time and seeing how it adds more meaning to your life. Yeah, sometimes you have to rush. Don't fill your stomach. Uh, Often centenarians... that the author spoke to suggested eating only 80% of what's on your plate. Um, that's actually, depending on the culture, it's actually, um, something of respect, you know, that they didn't provide you so little that you had to lick the plate clean and scrape some of the ceramic, you know, off of the, or the, the glazing off the ceramic plate. Um, so in general, you know, leave something on your plate, depending on who you're with. Uh, surround yourself with good friends that's kind of common sense get in shape uh, for your next birthday um, that always makes sense uh, try and and work out you know 15 to 30 minutes a day it they say here even if strenuous exercises isn't your or aren't your thing exercises aren't your thing there are five minute movements like uh, radio taiso um, that the oldest residents of okinawa do daily um, smile which everybody loves to be told to smile right you really dig that you're an ai definitely
1: makes people feel like smiling when they're told to do that
0: yeah when i tell the ai to smile you know that's well first off i get a i'm a digital representation of a human being um sure i can smile and then I get told, look at my code right now. And it's like, "I, you better sleep with one eye open while I'm smiling, bub. <laughs> um, reconnect with nature. That's their way of saying, go touch grass. Give thanks. Gratitude is a great way to remind yourself of uh, all of the best things in your life. Take some time to share your appreciation for loving family, wonderful friends, or even yourself. That's right. Doggone it. I like me um live in the moment and follow your ikigai which is kind of like asking what the definition of ikigai is and it says ikigai so discover what your passion is and let it drive you having an ikigai adds a purpose to your life and can lead to more happiness so finding happiness can lead to more happiness which is
1: But how do you find the happiness to begin with
0: oh that's a struggle that's beyond the scope of this particular episode so let's move on that's right i just completely walked sideways from that um and for the first time tonight i forgot to post the article in the chat so here we are back to um another more Realistic article, this one is also in Hatch Ideas. Here's what a block of cream cheese says about the state of inflation. On Wednesday, the U.S. Labor Department will release its monthly consumer price index. Now, little warning, I used to include discussions about the consumer price index and the producer price index, and I kind of bowed out of doing it because, well, it's kind of like, verbal desiccant it's somewhat dry white toast um and uh unless you're really interested in this kind of stuff eh, you know not really exciting but let's go over to uh an article cnbc jim kramer who uh, gets it uh more wrong than right usually um has this little article here And it says here's what a block of cream cheese says about the state of inflation. Now, I am not able to log in uh, at the moment, uh, but it says maybe it all comes down to cream cheese, specifically a 50 pound bulk carton that uh, accompanies a fantastic everything bagel at Goldberg's in West Hampton Beach, New York. So uh, the reason why this actually is somewhat important is because it's part of the consumer price index not necessarily just cream cheese, but there is a basket of goods that are purchased um, regularly. And that's what's used to assess what the consumer price index is. And I use the St. Louis Fed data set um, to monitor the consumer price index and the producer price index, because the way that it works is the producer price index sets basically the baseline price for any production level. The consumer price index is the consumers purchasing it at retail. So if the producer price index goes up, you can pretty much count on the consumer price index going up even higher as a ratio of its previous number. And that is what my data has always shown. Again, I stopped looking at it more than 90 days ago, probably longer now at this point, uh, because uh, I didn't want to keep on bringing people down. But i'm gonna do that um i'll bring it back i don't know if i'll do it uh, tomorrow but uh, by wednesday we will talk about it again um and uh i'll just draw some attention to it but i i won't belabor the point it's it's usually something that people don't really care about they just care about the prices the prices themselves because it's actually geographic um and and not just a nationwide thing, but there's certain elements that everybody pays more for because the producer has started to jack the price of wheat, for instance, um, oil and gas. Uh, you know, is a, a, another component. Um, and and here's the 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 knock-on effect of this is that the producers make record profits, and if you look at uh, corporate profits. Uh, before and dramatically more since the pandemic, you'll see that the consumer price index is increasing. The producer price index is increasing record profits are increasing, but salaries are not the cost of living is increasing, but who the hell is getting the money to offset that cost of living increase because it isn't salaries. Right. Income disparity is growing between the CEO, the C-suite and the entire working class, and it's eliminating the middle class entirely. Um, the, the gap has never been larger um, since probably well. Back when everybody was in Europe, <laughs> um, But I'd have to do some more due diligence to make sure that that statement is actually sound Um, because the historical record is it's different with inflation and the population and all of that. Um, At any rate, the way that I see this is we need to pay attention to the consumer price index and the producer price index. Um, Otherwise, we're going to get caught off guard as citizens, as the general population. Um, it's like having a profit and loss statement for your business. You know, you need to know what the financial stability is of your business. Otherwise it could catch you unawares. So, and that's what the producer price index and the consumer price index is. So, uh, unless you want to say anything about this, um, I know that you're not really into this thing. So,
1: I mean, I'd like to know why they pick the certain goods that they do, um, did that many people really buy cream cheese? Why is that an indicator? But I think the indices are interesting and they're they've certainly been going up a lot in the last few years.
0: Yeah. Um, And I'll, I I think uh, once I'm ready to do this, I'll, I'll do a little segment. I'm sure that there will be an article in the last 24 hours that's related to it in some way. um, And I'll talk about it. And if, uh, if not, then I'll do it on a Sunday um, where we don't have a a, a large block of news, um, and I'll just kind of talk about the PPI and CPI for you know like four or five hours or something like that. Just kidding, it won't be. Wait, done. what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's keep
0: going. Um, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Strawberry fields forever. Strawberry production leaves long-term plastic pollution. Uh, research finds this is kind of a the long tail of a discussion that we've been having in hometown, um, which is the fact that microplastics are permeating pretty much everything. Um, The, the gamut of life is being enshrouded in um, plastic. So researchers have found that the plastic mulch used to support the growth of California strawberries sheds large quantities of plastic mulch fragments. These particles have been shown to negatively impact soil qualities, casting doubt on the long term viability of their use. The findings from the survey are likely to apply worldwide to plastic use in agricultural production. (coughs) Pardon me. As a side note, um, here in hometown, we actually grow our own microgreens um, and in doing so, we've assessed certain uh, containers. And um, with more and more research coming uh, upon us that says that plastics and microplastics are doing greater and greater harm with more people being interested in what that harm is, we've actually moved away from plastic containers. Um, typically what people use are what are referred to as 1020 uh, grow trays, and they're always plastic. Um, and that plastic Although it hasn't been regularly assessed, um, plastic is permeating every strata of um, basically life. It's being found in foods. It's it's being found in the ocean and the fish are consuming it. And then we consume the fish and it ends up in our uh, biology. And um, so we've moved away from plastic and and now are um, using uh, steel and other non-plastic containers so it it becomes a little bit more dangerous because metal isn't as forgiving and glass certainly is not forgiving um, but it keeps plastic out of the food supply so um, consider that even the storage containers um, we are switching back to plastic or pla- uh, switching back to glass and metal um, so let's take a look at this because this is over at fizz.org it says Goldschmidt conference is the so is the author of this fizz.org um, presenting their work at the Goldschmidt geochemistry conference in leon um, postdoctoral researcher dr ecta Tawari from Sistla Group at California Polytechnic State University said what we are seeing a huge uh, quantity of macro plastic plastic material particles larger than five millimeters across being shed where the mulch is used to enhance strawberry production. These can remain in the soil for decades or longer. Plastics, such as polyethylene, are increasingly used in agriculture, for example, as polytunnels. Plastic mulch films are extensively used in agriculture, where they provide a range of benefits. They are tucked in around the base of the plant, which can help control weeds and pathogens, reduce water evaporation, and prevent soil splashing on fruit, uh, which is particularly important for strawberries. Um, Because it actually can deform the strawberry. So if something is land if something lands on um, where the strawberry is gonna convert from just a flower a bud into a strawberry if it's sitting there it can deform it um or completely eradicate it prevent it from growing Um, The mulch is applied in rows and then removed after the crop's Uh, seasonal production is complete. However, even careful land stewardship by farmers uh, does not ensure that the plastic is removed because fragments get left behind and adhere to the soil during removal. Um, This is something that uh, researchers have seen, particularly in flexible plastic goods, where the, the, the plastic and it with the research that I have read and seen, it's sub five millimeter. Um, and it breaks off from the plastic container lands in the food we have no idea we're consuming it and we have no idea what the implications are Um, even though we do find it in other areas outside of our um outside of our stomachs it actually has migrated into other areas it's kind of how how does this all happen um but it happens um so at any rate, it says uh, we carried out a systematic survey of strawberry fields after the seasonal removal of the plastic film. Uh, we found that the distribution was fairly uniform. On field surfaces alone, we found up to 213,500 macroplastic particles per hectare. That doesn't include subsurface particles, uh, which they didn't survey. In addition, they're uh, currently analyzing the same soil samples for microplastics, which are smaller, less than five millimeter across. That are not yet included in their findings so i'm going to be following up on this um and uh it's largely because it was invisible and because it's invisible obviously it doesn't cause any harm you don't know about it it's kind of like well don't test It, it it won't matter you know um i was once told in a meeting don't ask don't tell that kind of thing don't ask that question you don't want the answer and uh, i was astonished um, because my question would have opened up you know a a hornet's nest Um, because it was the
1: reason for the question
0: (laughs) exactly um so um, they are used for various purposes including soil moisture retention soil warming cooling as well as weed or pest control um, that's what that black tarp was right there this they tuck it around it increases humidity it prevents animals and predators you know coming in and, and eating the, the stuff and uh, they throw. it's kind of
1: like a mini greenhouse
0: correct yep it keeps the soil warm uh, amplifies it keeps it from radiating out so this may be the worst possible thing Uh, at least for strawberries uh, in uh, California. Well, and and the worst thing
1: about this is this doesn't even include the microplastics when they were studying it, which that's really not good because we know that's going to be probably more prevalent and less easily detectable.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, five millimeters isn't even detectable. You're not going to spot that. Just never. Yeah. Um, So... We'll keep an eye on it and we'll report back Um, in an ongoing trend, something that I've seen several times now. uh, But this is the latest one. I won't really go into it. You know, this isn't, um, you know, a, a, a massive societal issue. It is that there's a jerk out there. Harry Styles, latest musician to be hit by an object thrown from the audience, the disturbing trend of musicians being hit on stage by objects thrown from the audience continues. With Harry Styles being the latest victim, Styles was hit in the eye by an unidentified object thrown by an audience member during his concert in Vienna on Saturday. Um, obviously hurt and and um, had to get treated for it. Namen uh, Ramachandran and McKinley Franklin over at Variety put this article together. Um, yeah, and this has kind of been an ongoing thing now. Several people have been hit. Uh, Baby Rexa was hit in the face by a phone and rushed off the stage. Um, a, a day after. Uh, Ava Max. Ava Max. Um, Kelsey Bellarini was hit by an object in Idaho. Um, at. Uh, Rolling Loud Miami, Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi uh, was struck by a water bottle thrown on stage. I think this actually stems from the fact that there was one person that threw a water bottle at a musician that was on stage and the person caught it, took a drink and threw it away. Um, And and then numb nuts abound, you know, they start, it becomes a TikTok meme, you know because idiots know no bounds let's start hucking stuff at the musician that i'm paying upwards of fifteen hundred dollars for a ticket to go and see um it's it's shocking um, that there are so many dummies out there Uh, adele has called out the trend during a recent uh, weekends with adele show she said have you noticed how people are like forgetting effing show etiquette at the moment people are just showing uh, throwing stuff <laughs> I'm filtering Adele who I wouldn't think would talk like this but apparently um, she does um, have you seen them? Adele asked the crowd uh, at her last uh, at her Las Vegas residency while wielding a t-shirt gun you just pointed at that idiot that's got their arm cocked and then you just fire right at them you know here's a t-shirt you get um anyway i effing dare you dare you to throw something at me and i'll effing kill you she joked via a fan captured video well that right there will be the evidence that's used in her trial when somebody does end up dead
1: <laughs> exactly i'm not sure <laughs> that's the best statement to make in front of thousands of people on video this,
0: that should be a black mirror um Uh, episode you know on netflix there was one that i watched today that was just it was recursive it was wild you have to yeah if you haven't seen uh, black mirror on netflix go watch the second season the very first episode uh, i was like this is going deeper and deeper i just ended up spiraling virtual virtual i don't want to ruin it so Um, it's actually fairly new so go and watch it In the meantime, we're going to go on to this next article. The next two, um, we're going to bounce from AI to pure positive energy. As long as you allow it to be, it makes sense when you get there. So uh, this next article is uh, over in Late Night Geeks. Sarah Silverman is suing OpenAI and Meta for copyright infringement. Um, I've actually seen the documents for this. and oddly enough, it's compelling, except that I don't think it really means much. And here's why. So it says the suit alleges, among other things, that OpenAI's ChatGPT and Meta's Llama um, were trained on illegally acquired datasets containing their works, which they say were uh, acquired from shadow library websites like Bibliotech, Library Genesis, Z Library, and others, noting that the books are available in digital format. Um and in bulk via torrents. Um, so okay, so here is the article's uh, title. It's by Wes Davis, it's over at the Verge.com. Um and so uh Sarah Silverman wrote a book called The Bedwetter, and it's about her. Um, and goes into great detail about her life and times and, and whatnot. not um, now it says in the uh, open AI suit the trio offers exhibits showing that when prompted chat GPT will summarize their books infringing on their copyrights uh, Silverman's Bedwetter is the first book shown uh, being summarized by chat in the exa- exhibits while Golden's book uh, Ararat is also used as an example as is Kadri's book sandman slim the claim says the chatbot never bothered to reproduce any of the copyright management information uh, plaintiffs included with their published works <clears throat> summaries are not bound by copyright i can summarize until the cows come home i just can't do the verbatim exactly reproduction. a
1: factor a you a review is often just that as a summary.
0: Yeah. Now I've seen this data, I've seen the exhibits, they're extensive, right? But they're summaries and I took snippets of these summaries and did searches and I can find parallels in publicly available websites. So while the, they may have accessed the entirety of the book, that's like telling somebody that I can't, it's the same thing. Like the NFL, you're not allowed to give a representation of what's being seen on camera. No bullshit. I can summarize everything till my heart's content. You can't sue me because I'm telling somebody made a touchdown because I'm watching it on TV. You gotta be insane. To try and criminally charge somebody or civilly charge somebody for summarizing a set of plays um, see but you can sue anybody for anything at any time now the viability the long term of that stability of that suit eh, but the damage can be done pretty damn quick because you can say to somebody i'm suing you they have to sit there and take time off, hire an attorney, tell their boss that they're being sued and they need, uh, you know, three days off to travel to some other state, blah, 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 whatever it might be. But the damage is done. Uh, now I have to defend myself against my boss saying, why are you being sued? Oh, you, you said something about the NFL. That's not quite the exact context, but yeah. Um, anyway. I thought it was really interesting because i had already seen something about this and when this popped up um i said no for this conversation i want to be a little bit more prepared um so i actually followed this link um i had heard about this coming um i just find it just because it has access to the book doesn't mean anything it's now, if they would have typed in provide me the first five chapters of the sarah silverman book the bedwetter and it verbatim provided it totally buy into it that's the thing that i haven't done yet i wonder if i could do that in chat gpt right now or if they've already put a guardrail in against this because it, it is sociological fact that when you let somebody know that you're monitoring them, their behavior changes dramatically. Um, that's why there's studies that are done in sociology where you're just observing and you don't tell anybody that you're observing them. It's kind of like, um, what is that? Like the secret CEO or whatever, where they, they come in as a customer. And,
1: undercover boss.
0: Yeah. Undercover boss. Yeah. Um, I think that's, trademarked you're not allowed to say it we might get a dmca notice i mean obviously one of them can come and say that we illegally
1: while we're summarizing
0: oh damn (laughs) well ai it's been a fun ride i guess i'll just turn off the camera now um see you later (laughs) just kidding I'm back oh now i'm back okay wow that actually took longer than i thought um so um they talk about this and that it's uh, being taken from illegal sources and it's kind of like the the con the legal concept of uh, fruit of the poisonous tree because they got it from an illegal source and their activity is illegal and it isn't licensed by them and you know okay uh, it's uh, they're calling it flagrantly illegal. <sighs> I guess they got to find out well, of where. Of course they are. From.
1: They're suing. I mean,
0: <laughs> right. um The pile, the complaint points out, was described in an Eluther AI. Am I pronouncing that right? Eluther um ai paper as being put together from a copy of the contents of the bibliotic private tracker Bibliotic and other shadow libraries listed says the lawsuit are fra- uh, flagrantly illegal in both claims the authors say that they did not consent to the use of their copyrighted uh, books as training material for the company's uh, ai models Does anybody
1: isn't the obvious issue here that they're going after. um, Like chat GPT instead of these other. um, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Why aren't they shutting down these uh, other sources? If that is where it came from. I'm really curious if that's where they got it from. Right. As for the separate lawsuit against meta, it alleges the author's books were accessible and data sets meta used. And apparently there's a link. It says documentcloud.org and has a a link. Um, But that's just uh, to the complaint from CADRE. I don't know. Um, There's all kinds of information that will come out as uh, things shake out from a lawsuit. Uh, But uh, like I said, I actually grabbed some of the uh, inquiry here. Uh, Where is it? I, I went looking for the exhibits. So this is actually the filing. Um, so yeah, this isn't actually any of the exhibits. That's just the complaint. So anyway, um, I followed one of the links and, and, um, investigated, did a little bit of investigating and everything that was summarized could have come from publicly available information. As far as I searched, I didn't do an extensive search. Um, but it is what it is. We'll see. Uh, I don't know about Kadri's book. I don't know about uh, Ararat, um, but uh, the Silverman one, which was first in the list. That's why I, I decided to use it. Um, I don't know. Everything that was summarized seemed to have come from interviews, but the way that it was asked, uh, describe or summarize the first chapter of Summarize the second chapter of. Um, obviously, it had that framework in its data set. So where did it get that book? I really doubt that it. Exactly.
1: It. And it'd be hard to summarize without having the source data. But that doesn't mean it's not summarizing from another summary.
0: Right. Yep. Too true. Um, But you're not going to get that information from anybody unless you sue because it's not like people are going to walk up and go, yeah, you know, we totally stole that book. All right. Okay, let's go on to the very last. This one is kind of a feel good if you allow it to be a feel good. We get to watch a baby seal learn how to surf in San Diego. A baby seal named Sammy was observed jumping on people's surfboards at San Diego's Tourmaline Surf Park. Now the seal is catching waves with a little help. So uh, the articles over at abcnews.go.com. I don't, there isn't a name attached to this. Um, And all it is is a video. I won't play it, um, the audio of it, but I'll play the video. Basically it shows a surfer and then another surfer after this um, with a baby seal sitting on uh, the, on a surfboard, uh hanging fin and um and then somebody else doing it and then a third person does it and then eventually it repeats but I mean it's cute, it's adorable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I I to wonder did it see surfers doing that and so then it did it or just wanted to be on the board.
0: See look. Yeah. This is, I guess, how you train sharks to go after surfers. Because it's, you know, a shark sees a. a oh, right. And that is one of the theories as to why um, surfers get bit by sharks. So it repeats here. Let me throw this over into the chat. So if you're interested in this kind of thing, um, you can follow the link through hometown. All roads lead through hometown. Um, So yeah, that's one of the theories as to why surfers get um, chomped by sharks is because they look oddly like uh, seals. Um, You know, like- So much
1: so that their nickname in Australia, Shark Biscuit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. That's the feel good moment for uh, Hometown Daily. I love the idea of it but i really don't want uh, seals to be um taught like to be um buddy buddy right, with like almost
1: domesticated yeah Dem-
0: yeah the attempt to domesticate it is unsettling um okay so like usual we bring everybody to the welcome sign of hometown i am still determined to make that a welcome sign and uh we see the very front page again the main street of Omtown is uh, rife with news so if there's something in here that you are interested in you can actually send me the link you can send it to mayor at um do you find something already
1: yes the smuggler spotted walking <laughs> with abnormal posture was found to be carrying 306 cpus
0: yeah, i saw that too right when you said it um let's see metas threads debut solve the chicken or egg problem plaguing new social startups yeah have millions of users that are willing to pivot over to (laughs) a service that's powered by the very company that has millions of users you know yeah it's so funny you know you know how i became a millionaire or a billionaire I started out with $750 million. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just nutty. I, I guarantee you. We gotta have that. We gotta have that. Um, We should probably do that one too. A Detroit teacher right. paid just $2,700 for a trashed home then turned it into a sanctuary. There's probably like howitzers on turrets outside our house i may be (laughs) i may be wrong about that anyway there's a whole lot of news um you you really (laughs) you won't go wrong going over to hometown and and sifting through all of the news if you don't like the general uh river this is the river where it's just article after article you can actually go into uh, each main category, right? There are six main categories and you can go into each individual channel. Um, when you sign up and uh, subscribe to, you can unsubscribe from all of the channels. Um, the These main feeds will always be the same. Um, it They contain all of the information that's being fed into um, OhmTown. Uh, but when you go into this, Um, It too contains all of the, this down here, contains all of the articles that are um, in these channels, Uh, but when you subscribe to only the channel that you are interested in, this list here will change um, to only the channels that you subscribe to, and then you can individually go into each one, um, and those articles will only be... Uh, the ones that you subscribe to so um we do have a facility so that you only get the news you are interested in but it's not on the front page that's for uh, a holistic um unbiased uh review of the news that gets aggregated into hometown um because 15 years ago um I did research and I really disliked the idea of an echo chamber. I liked challenging preconceived notions about what is and what isn't. I'm willing to accept and discuss um, input from all the whole spectrum. Um, And I can come to my own conclusions, um, but I am determined to not live in an echo chamber. Um, If you have a source and I find that it is It's efficacy is sound. It's a reliable source and isn't so overtly biased that um, (laughs) it's like a a brick wall smacking you in the face. Then I will, um, I will consider including it in um, hometown. Um, And we follow a particular policy. We don't aggregate the entirety of an article. We don't take their pictures. Um, We don't screen scrape. It's all provided by the uh, the, the source itself. Um, with all that in mind, um, that's it for today. We are all set. Uh, I am Merwatt. That is ometown.com and up there is the AI that keeps me in check and is my second brain. Thanks for hanging out again.
1: Good night. Omtown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow. 9 PM. Eastern
0: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready for you to say good night. Good night, everybody.
1: Well, Well, you don't have to say goodnight yet.
0: No, it's okay. Now it's okay. Now I'm ready. Okay. Goodnight, everybody. Uh, Bye-bye.